Welcome to the Filmed Live Musicals Podcast, a podcast about stage musicals that have been legally filmed and publicly distributed. The Filmed Live Musicals website contains information on nearly 200 musicals that have been captured live. Check it out at filmedlivemusicals.com. And now, on with the show. Welcome to episode 27 of the Filmed Live Musicals podcast. Joining me this week is choreographer and director Richard J. Hines, who has worked extensively in theatre and television across the US and in China. He has worked at the Finger Lakes Musical Theatre Festival, Pittsburgh CLO, Kansas City Rep, Seattle Rep, La Jolla Playhouse, The Old Globe, Deaf West, Paper Mill Playhouse, and Ogunquit Playhouse, just to name a few. Richard worked as associate director and choreographer on Here Lies Love, a biomusical about Imelda Marcos produced by the Public Theatre and the National Theatre, and on Broadway as associate director on Disney's Newsies, filmed live in LA in 2016, the Broadway revival of Jekyll and Hyde, and El Divo, a musical affair. Most recently, Richard is serving as the associate choreographer on the Broadway revival of Company, starring Katrina Lenk and Patti Lapone, and the soon-to-be-released Come From Away. Welcome, Richard. Hello, nice to be here. It's so wonderful to have you. So to start us off, what made you fall in love with musical theater? Oh my, we're going right for it. Gosh, <laughs> you know, I don't even know that I remember. I am from Connecticut. My uncle and aunt met on a cruise ship. They were dance partners. They fell in love and got married and opened a dance studio in Connecticut. So you know, from birth, basically, arts was always a part of my life and living about 45 minutes to an hour away from New York City. I came in all the time to see theater. I think the first show I saw was Phantom of the Opera or Cats. It's one or the other. And yeah, and I just I think I was bit by the bug at a very young age. And then I started dancing when I was about four years old, and continued training and Theater's just always been a part of my life. I think I've always known that I preferred to be on the creative side of things than as a performer, but I always knew I wouldn't know how to do that side of it unless I had been on the other side as a performer and had those experiences to know. Uh, but yeah, theater and dance especially has just, it's been a part of my DNA since since birth. It's keeping it in the family. Yes, exactly. What drew you to being on the creative side rather than performing? I learned very quickly that I enjoyed the rehearsal process of shows that I was working on. But then once the show opened, the sort of monotony of doing the same show over and over, I would get burnt out really quickly. So I thought, hmm, that's interesting. And of course, when I was young, I was always putting on shows and directing my sister to do dance steps and puppet shows at home. So I, I'd always really enjoyed that sort of creative process of it. And so very quickly, I reached out to my mentor when I moved to New York, which is a gentleman named Andy Blankenbuehler, who worked on a little show called Hamilton. And um, he was like, look, he was like, if, up and coming, up and coming. He was like, if this is <laughs> something you're really interested in, he said, you know, you really have to make that transition out of performing into that world because you're so young. You know, if you want people to really take you seriously, thought about it, went back to him. And I was like, no, this is definitely where I, I want to be. And then he gave me my first job assisting him on a show at uh, Paper Mill Playhouse, which was a musicalized version of the movie It's a Wonderful Life. And so to be involved and especially having my mentor there next to me who was really guiding me and giving me that support, uh, it, it, it was like, yep, this is exactly where I'm supposed to be. 
Mm. How did you first connect with Andy Blinkenbuehler? I met him when I moved to New York uh, at the age of 17. So I had been rejected from every university I auditioned for for musical theater. So my mom was like, is there anything else you'd like to do? And I was like, no, this is what I want to do. So she was like, okay, here's your college money. Figure it out. This is what we got. Um, so I moved to New York and I just started taking his class uh, three times a week. And he sort of drew to me, I think, um, you know, to see like a young male dancer. He was very passionate to sort of help guide me and teach me. And, you know, I had some nice foundation, but I absolutely believe that he taught me how to dance like a man and athletically and to be grounded. Um, and so, you know, we started a relationship. Um, I told him if he ever needed help in, you know, pre-production or if he was building like a skeleton crew that I would be happy to help. He started asking me to help him. And in fact, one of the last shows I did as a performer was a show that he choreographed um as well so he really sort of nurtured me on both sides as a performer and then also as a creative that is such a great story a true testament that a you don't have to go to college to be in this world and b that like just going to class and showing up and doing the work yeah absolutely 100 percent. and and being comfortable to go up to somebody that you are inspired by and say to them, Hey, you inspire me. If you ever need help, let me know. Because I think people forget that everyone has had somebody that has done that for them, especially in this field. So the opportunity for us to give back to someone, you know, we love doing that. And I love now that I have found my own path that I'm now getting to build these young, you know, aspiring directors and choreographers and that I can bring them into opportunities and and share that with them. Mm, all about paying it forward. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, which we will come to more of that <laughs> later. <laughs> uh, so you you were mentored by Andy Blankenbuehler, and then what led you to becoming? I guess that's part of becoming an associate choreographer and director. Yeah. So he, I worked with him at Paper Mill, and then there was a project of a musicalized version of. Frankenstein, not to be confused with Young Frankenstein, that was happening at uh, 37 Arts. And he knew that the team was looking for somebody to sort of come in and help out as an associate. So he put my name forward, introduced me to the team. And that was where I met Kelly Devine, who was the choreographer for Frankenstein. But ironically, at that time, I was there to be the associate director. And so I met the director. He was lovely. But as we got into the tech process, he really sort of got sucked into that world. And I was sort of left with Kelly to sort of handle, you know, every everybody on stage. And we just became instant friends. And I really now knew, okay, I had done, you know, paper mill. And while I knew I had a lot to learn, I still I felt a little bit more comfortable in my skin to be like, have my notebooks, have my charts, you know, be a little bit more organized and prepared. Um, and so Kelly and I developed this amazing relationship and, and we connected. And then I had met this woman named Lisa Stevens, who was doing this Bollywood industrial. And I was in desperate need for money because I had now quit performing and was doing a lot of free assisting jobs. And I was like, look, this is a quick one-off. I'll do it. We did it. Great. One of the cast members was like, oh, you know, she's new to New York and she's building up her associate team. We should let her know that this is what you you know are trying to do. And literally, this is how fast it went. I think I sent her an email on like a Wednesday or a Thursday and said, hey, 
you know, I know you're building your team. If you need anybody, I love working with you. Let me know. She emailed me back that same day and was like, wow, perfect timing. I'm actually working on a project and I do need somebody. Um, are you available for these dates? Yep. And then Monday I got a call from Disney and I came on board for High School Musical. And that really launched my career as an associate because I was now working for obviously this very established corporation. And with working with Lisa, we set the show in the US. I then went with the team to set the show in the UK. And then I went by myself to set the show in Australia and then came back and set another uh, short US tour that went out. So I think that really gave me some street credit in the industry because I had worked for Disney. The show was quite high profile and and I learned a lot in that process. And I felt now like I was like, okay, I'm ready to handle these bigger shows. And like, I feel confident in my craft. And, and while, you know, to this day, I'm still learning, I at least know the expectations and I know how to go in and be as prepared as possible. Mm. Oh, wow. That is what a cool story that is. And getting to travel all over the world. Yeah. And one uh, one of the amazing memories was in Australia. I think it was our first day of blocking rehearsal was the day that Obama became our president. But obviously, because of the time difference, I was asleep while it was sort of all happening. And I woke up and I remember turning on the TV and there it all was. And I got to rehearsal and the whole cast had gotten like a cake and balloons and they were like, congratulations. And and so, yeah, I, I will forever remember Australia on, on that very special day for our country. Was that in Sydney or Melbourne? Sydney. Beautiful. That's where I grew up. So. Oh, yay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we were at the rehearsing at uh, the ballet studios. I can't remember the name of it. At but. Sydney Dance Theater? Yeah. Sydney Dance Company, rather, yeah. at the Wharf? Yeah. So what a beautiful place to rehearse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was beautiful. Sydney Harbour Bridge right behind you, Sydney Harbour, Circular Quay. Yep. Doesn't get One of my better. favorite areas of Sydney. So beautiful. <laughs> I want to ask about the work of an, an associate. But before I do, you mentioned, you know, running out of money and being a freelancer, putting the free in freelancer. And I'm curious if you feel comfortable answering how how did you support yourself as an artist through that time? Um, luckily, I went in with a bit of a cushion from, you know, the five years of performing that I was very fortunate to have pretty consistent work. So there wasn't a lot of having to take away from the savings, but more contributing. Um, but it was, you know, you had to find that balance. I worked at Bath and Body Works. I did what was like kind of a terrible job, but worked really well. I was a telemarketer for quite a while. And because of the time difference of our country specifically, I would get shifts that would be from like 5 p.m. to like 11 p.m., which would be calling all the West Coast locations and, and doing that work over there. Um, so, yeah, I would do, you know, pre-pro rehearsals, whatever I could do during the day, taking class and still, you know, defining myself as a dancer and then go and sit in these dark, terrible offices and just call people that would hang up on me for like four, you know, five hours a night. <laughs> it was terrible. But again, it was that moment where it was like, if this is what I have to do to continue this journey, this is absolutely what I will do to continue this journey. And I knew like bartending, waiting tables, that was just not in the cards. Like I knew that that was not my craft and that, that would be unsuccessful for me and all of the people that I was serving at that time. <laughs> Yeah, 
those kind of menial soul crushing jobs are what like keep the flame alive. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm, exactly. Yeah. Been there. Oh yes. <laughs> and there's stories in there too. I'm uh-huh. sure. A musical. The hilarious. <laughs> In inverted commas, customer service. <laughs> There's a great song in In Transit where the actress talks about uh, doing what you do, doing what you don't do, so you can do what you do do. <laughs> that's exactly true. That's exactly it. Yep. Exactly and it. I feel that pain. So back to being an associate, the the fun part of life. Yeah. What can you define the role of an associate director or choreographer? Absolutely. So. You're there from conception and getting the show up on its feet to support either the director or choreographer or both, depending what position you're in. Um, and being a soundboard and, you know, contributing creatively and, and through all of that documenting and charting and, you know, formations and making sure you sort of have all of that information, you know, straight from the horse's mouth. So as these shows continue on in life, you can then step in and represent the voice of the director or the choreographer and make sure you maintain the vision, the the intent, all of that, making sure the choreography is clean, making sure the acting beats are still exactly what they were intended to be. And, and you just maintain that vi- vision of the show and sort of carry it through while the director and or choreographer, they move on to sort of their next project and you become you know, the, the con- consistent with that show and you stay there and, and you work on it. The nice thing doing that, especially in New York, you know, I'm very fortunate, you know, you can find a bounce where you can do that on a couple shows. So for me currently between company and come from away, you know, I can spend three days at one show, three days at the other. If we have a new cast member coming in to come from away, I can spend a little bit more time there and sort of a little less at company and vice versa. So yeah, but you know, your your sole purpose in that building is to maintain the original intent and vision of that show uh, and make sure that the director and the choreographer or whomever you're working under, um, you know, their their uh, stuff is represented accurately. Has filming changed the way that you document the choreography? Like I remember learning in high school about like shorthand for writing out choreography. Is that still something that you do or are you just filming now and using film? I mean, I still come from that generation of writing it all down. So I still do that because for me, that's how I learn it. Also with our union, there's very strict rules about filming and then how those filmings are used after. So I also, you know, especially in Come From Away, we really pride ourselves on as a new cast member comes into the show it's never about us asking them to replicate a performance of the person that they are replacing, but that they come in fresh. So especially on Come From Away, we have a pretty strict rule that when we're in that rehearsal process to never ever have a video or something open where an actor is hearing the person, you know, that had originally played their role speaking lines or, you know, watching them, how they're executing the blocking or choreography. Um, we really like that the, People can bring their own individual um, interpretation to the show. Now, of course, I have videos of all the companies that come from way around the world. So if there's a moment specifically, because the shows all have their own little things within them, you know, I will certainly use it as little references to be like, okay, I just want to make sure that I'm not telling you something that's specific to the Broadway show, but this is the London company. Um, but as, as 
a whole, I have everything charted, documented, uh, charts for every formation, you know, the whole thing. And, and we call it the Bible. And I've created one for every one of our five companies, which is a paper document that just has snapshot pictures of every formation, position, where the chairs are, the charts, you know, the whole thing. It's it's quite extensive. <laughs> One day, we're going to have a musical theater museum, like a museum dedicated just to musical theater, not a performing arts museum, just for musical theater, and it's going to have all the show Bibles. <laughs> oh, my gosh. There's so many. So many. When you were rehearsing the Australian company of Come From Away, was had the pandemic already started? Uh, so uh, a couple things. When we originally opened the Melbourne company, that was way before the pandemic, a good year before. Mm -hmm, okay. They were playing Melbourne when the pandemic hit and they were actually closing. They, I think they had two weeks left and then they were meant to go to China. So that whole thing obviously got scrapped. Then everything just sort of was on hold. And then we went out during the pandemic, which at the time they weren't really um, suffering from. They were doing okay, though that has changed drastically in the past you know, a few weeks, um, they got an extension in Melbourne and they did another three month sort of engagement there. So we went out, we reopened them in Melbourne. I then went with them to Brisbane and then they had been in Sydney, I think for like four weeks before they got shut down. Shut down again. Yeah. 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 Yeah, crazy. Okay, I because I was curious if you had to rehearse on Zoom, but you had, that was like way before the world collapsed in itself. That was way before, though, <laughs> while they were in Sydney, there were new cast members that had joined the show and we weren't able to get out there because of the pandemic. So those new cast members, we were rehearsing via Zoom. Wow. Yeah, yeah it was crazy. <laughs> With a 14-hour time difference. <laughs> yeah, so we, we have a resident over there, Liam, who was with them day to day, but then we would Zoom in from about 8 p.m. to midnight and they would show us sort of what they had done the day before. We would give some notes and feedback, and then they would go on with their day, and we would go to bed. <laughs> wow. Yeah. We, the world, how could we have survived this pandemic without Zoom? <laughs> I know. I should have invested in Zoom a long time ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so rewinding, I want to jump back um, to some of your other work uh, on television. Um, you've worked on Disney's Encore, which... I love that show. It was such a tearjerker. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and bring it on Lifetime, Good Afternoon America, and the Macy's Thanksgiving Parade. What do you think are the uh, the differences in choreographing for stage versus screen? I mean, you know, one of the big differences is that when you're for stage, you're sort of thinking the big picture in the proscenium. When anything that you do on TV and film, you can sort of carve out your choreography a little bit more and sort of decide where you want to zoom in, sort of move through the movement. You can be a little bit more specific with um, that kind of articulation of how it all works. Um, you know, ironically on Encore, which is so interesting is even though that was for TV, we were building a stage show. So we were just doing a stage show and then they were coming in and sort of getting their own shots internally uh, uh, with that. Um, and I would say most of the TV film stuff it's been that I've worked on has been very much sort of capturing a theatrical 
esque experience that they are then putting into the TV and film, as opposed to specifically choreographing a number for a film or TV that we're, you know, carving out with uh, cameras and stuff like that. Mm. As a choreographer on any of those productions, even though it was like a recreating kind of a theatrical feeling, did you have any say in how it was filmed or what was like focused on? Um, you do a little bit sort of on the front end. Like I could be very clear about like, oh, that take, that person messed up. We should definitely, you know, put a red X on that take just so nothing flips into the final edit that you're like, oh God, no. Um, but I would say most of the projects I sort of was able to give the, the, the shots that I was signing off on, but wouldn't necessarily see the final edit until the edit was complete and, and done or being, you know, broadcast on TV or, you know, whatever platform it was being presented. Mm -hmm. Do you think that now that more stage shows are hopefully being filmed, <laughs> it's it, we were starting to see an uptick, um, do you think that will change the way choreographers work on stage, knowing that it's very likely that the show could be filmed? Um, I don't know. That's interesting because it's because of the way they come to us, it's the stage show, then the film. I think you've already, you know, I can say I'm come from a way we did not change a single step, a single formation, like nothing was changed. Now, granted, we could take the camera and zoom in on somebody and we could identify those moments where we're like, oh, we want this to feel like a more compact experience or we want this to feel like a nice wide open experience. But um, there wasn't any steps that we were looking at that we were like, oh, you know, should we reconceive this section? Should we look at this? Da 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 da. Because um, I think you know it was also important to the team. Chris Ashley, our director, Kelly Devine, the choreographer. Like we're capturing the Broadway show. We're not making a movie. We're capturing the Broadway show, and I know that that was very important to them. So that you know, especially the fans out there, they're seeing something that they know and love, and it's not this you know sort of massive departure from what we created. Mm. Was that the same for Newsies? Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think Newsies. We basically did the exact same sort of setup in terms of structure as we did for Come From Away, which was we had a few days of just isolating different sections and dance numbers um, and getting as many angles and shots as we could. And then we recorded the show with a live audience two times through. Um, so that we had it in its entirety and we could also capture audiences um, reactions to it as well. But yeah, I don't think we changed any blocking um, or anything. You know, the biggest thing that changes in those moments is the lighting because the lighting for stage does not work for film. It sort of will be blown out and sort of wash everybody out. So on both projects, both Newsies and Come From Way, I would say the biggest time that was spent going in and sort of readjusting anything was always for lighting like for come from away i think they had like four days of just going through the lights with the cameras to make sure the bounce was good and then we had some stand-ins that were in costumes as well to just make sure the the, the levels were all um accurate and is the original lighting designer a part of that conversation or a part of that process Newsies, yes. Um, our brilliant, gorgeous lighting designer for Come From Away, Hal, passed away uh, last year. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so he is no longer with us. So his associate um, has sort of uh, acquired all of Hal's projects. So that was his job to come in and uh, maintain Hal's vision, but obviously do the adjustments that we needed to to uh, make it work for film. And then not to go on that, but you know, Hal passed. Uh, uh, I think it was last summer. Now it all gets a little blurry during the pandemic. And when we were in Australia reopening the Melbourne company, we had this moment of you know we were in the theater just working through, and the associate Australian lighting designer was like, "Hey, you know, we have all the lights um, up and running now." So if you want, we can we can run with you guys simultaneously. We're like, okay, sure. And we just happened to be at the moment of prayer. And so we ran prayer and all the lights came on and it was just beautiful. And, and it ended. And I turned to Danny, who's the associate director, Danny Goldstein. And we were both just sobbing. You know, it was like, it's been a pandemic. We've lost this amazing man. They're singing this gorgeous song. And this is the first time Hal's lights have been on since his passing. And it was just a really beautiful, uh, touching moment. It was really beautiful. The power of theater. And what a, yeah. And what a way to honor his work yeah. and keep his, his kind of spirit in the room. Yep. 100%. 100%. That's really beautiful. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> very very special and having just last night uh i was at the majestic watching the show must go on Mm -hmm. the new documentary Mm -hmm. sammy cannold directed and you know even watching these productions in south korea like it was phantom and cats actually when you said earlier that you're that they were your first shows i was like oh what a funny concept (laughs) um that uh you know, this, the power of these shows, like literally across the world, across languages, that these shows resonate. And even, you know, 30, 40 years after they were first created, mm-hmm. it's, it's so beautiful and like just reaffirms my love of musical theater. <laughs> and it's this interesting bounce of we as the performers and creatives, we're, we're so hungry to get that information back out there and let people experience that but those audiences are just as starved of it you know they they want to be there they want to see live theater again they want to have those experiences so it's that that amazing bounce that's happening in these theaters as these shows are starting to open is just and it's incredible oh that's so beautiful yes oh (laughs) um so jumping back to newsies literally leaping into newsies um how did you first come to be involved in that production jeff calhoun who is the director of newsies was my acting dance teacher at a summer theater camp that i went to in 1999 And, you know, I looked up to him. He was brilliant. He, you know, he he has had an incredible career. And then we reconnected because he was the director on High School Musical. And though I was working for Lisa, he had his own associate, a gentleman named Coy Middlebrook. And I was like, oh, my God, Jeff. Now, many years had gone by. Jeff has met many other people. I was like, I don't know if you remember me, but I took your class in 1999. He was like, I actually do. Um, And so we reconnected and obviously on the show. And then Koi was making the transition to uh, LA to start pursuing a career in TV and film. And ironically, 
uh, directs uh, Encore for Disney Plus, which is how I got the episode. And he is the director to the <laughs> one that I choreographed. Um, so Jeff said to me, no, look, if you are interested in sort of pursuing this route, I would love to sort of groom you and train you to be an associate director. I was like, okay, great. So we went and had this odd experience doing High School Musical on ice. Uh, where I served as the associate director to Jeff. And while it was just like the most random thing ever in the world, it was great to actually work with him side by side as partners while we were watching, you know, these skaters triple Lutz through, you know, we're all in this together. So that really <laughs> sort of like defined our friendship and showed that we could work well together and we could have a good time. Um, and then after that, we did nine to five, which I came on to as the associate director and Lisa Stevens was the choreographer. So she now had a new associate and it felt all very much in the family. From there, Jeff and I did Newsies and then we did Chuckle and Hyde. So Jeff was a big part of my career for quite some time and was more than just a mentor and a director, but became a very, very close friend uh, that today we are still very close and I very much look up to him, but he really just took me along for the ride. And there was a moment where we had Newsies on Broadway, two doors down, we had Jekyll and Hyde on Broadway and we had nine to five touring the U.S. So we were just frolicking through life and, and all was good. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, and the really amazing sort of fun bounce with Newsies with Jeff and I was Jeff had never seen the movie. He didn't really know it as well as I knew it. And I had seen the movie in the movie theater in 1992. And then I could sing, you know, every song from start to finish, you know, every word. <laughs> so it was a really good bounce of like, he wanted to be fresh eyes on it. And I was like, oh, you know, I don't know if this is helpful or not, but da 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 And he'd be like, oh, that's an interesting idea. Okay, great. Yeah, let's see if we can navigate through that a little bit. And so we really struck this really beautiful bounce of, um, somebody that knew that source material like as well as I did to Jeff who was looking at it fresh. Mm. Oh, and that totally comes through in the show that it's like a tip of the hat to the movie, but it's it's its own entity. And one of well. my I think and I, I I think Jeff would very much agree, my biggest contributions was um uh Alan Menken had written a new song, a new version of Once and For All. And it had a, sort of a very similar anthem-esque feel to a lot of other things like The World Will Know and Carrying the Banner. And and Jeff was like, I just feel like, you know, we we played this beat and we're struggling. We're trying to make the song work. And it just feels like it, it's just not working. And I was like, Jeff, there was actually a completely different song here in the show, at, in the movie. I was like, and it's really good. And it has a drive and it feels so different from the other songs in the show. And he was like, you know, okay, play it for me. And so I played him once and for all. And he was like, we need this in the, in the show. And I was like, okay. So that song became a mashup of the, what it originally was for um, Alan for the theater show. And then what it was in the movie. So it starts with that. There's change coming once, which was the new version for the musical. And then we go into the movie song. And every time that song starts, I'm always like, I love this song so much. Um, but I thought that that song to <laughs> me was like a perfect marriage of like old and new um, to the show. Oh, that's such a cool story. Yeah. 
And also like points to the importance of the associate. I feel like a lot of times in credit and I, my own website included, uh, doesn't have the associates listed and I'm going hey, to that. <laughs> it's good, you know, and everyone uses them differently. And I, what I love about my journey in this career is, you know, and, and, and this is, doesn't make any director or choreographer bad, you know, some prefer people that sort of are a little bit more hands-off, sort of quiet, but they know they have that support behind them. I feel so grateful to have worked with, you know, Jeff Calhoun and Kelly Devine and Lisa Stevens. And I spent quite a bit of time uh, with Alex Timbers, like people that really were like, no, come sit next to me. You're my team. We're, you know, as I say in high school, musical, we're all in this together. And I love that. And it also prepared me to be able to go out and do my own stuff and work at, you know, theaters around the country and do my own shows that I can direct and choreograph and feel like I know that process and I know how to get in there and, and how to do it. Mm. Um, another little bit of kismet for Newsies and Come From Away, if if the reporting is correct, uh, Newsies was filmed on September 11 in 2016. Oh my gosh, I don't even remember, but yeah, that makes total <laughs> sense. So that, that, yeah, it's that's a funny little like of all the days in Jeez. the year. <laughs> Crazy. Yeah. Um, just a little bit more newsies, and then I want to jump into Come From Away. Um, several of the cast members were not part of the tour in LA for, sorry, for newsies. Um, uh, so what was the re- the rehearsal process for bringing back those cast members to put them into back into the show? It was crazy filming? because we were still, the show <laughs> was performing in LA while this was all happening. So some of the cast, like the cast that was in the tour, they would be in rehearsal during the day, getting the returning cast members up to speed. And then they would go do their show at night with the tour principals that were uh, out there. So it was absolute madness and chaos, but, you know, thankfully everyone was in it for the long haul and um, it, it was a bit head spinning. And, you know, Jeremy and Kara, uh, you know, they had been with the show for so long and there, there was enough prep time coming in that they had obviously done their own personal homework. Um, but they had never done the show with many of these ensemble members. So, you know, we wanted it to not feel so rushed that it didn't feel like they knew who everyone was on stage. So it was about giving that time to sort of let them cultivate these new relationships with this new team. But also, you know, we were on obviously a very strict deadline to get it get it all up and running oh i it must have been a grueling schedule like the, how physically demanding yeah. the show is it must i can imagine there were a lot of there were at the end of, those of days. and a cool thing <laughs> i don't i don't think you would ever know from watching the movie but that was really fun was at the filming where we had the live audience they invited all of the original cast members from the original 1992 movie to come who were obviously all little boys you know then and teenagers and so there was this really beautiful moment where at the party after they got to meet the cast, got to meet them, they got to meet the cast. And it was this really beautiful sort of like passing of the torch where the young touring cast was like, oh, my God, without what you created, we would not have this. And then there were these older gentlemen that were like, oh, my God, you are now taking this show and giving it the legacy that it will have to live on, you know, much more than probably the movie would have done on its own without having the musical to sort of give it that new um, wave. Mm. 
They're carrying the banner. Yeah, literally. It was a really beautiful moment. Oh, and like, oh, that makes me overclapped because thinking about like, I imagine a lot of the cast were my age or younger. And so they would have also grown up watching oh my gosh, the movie. Yeah. And so, yeah, that back and forth is just yeah, really beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> and giving a whole new life to the yeah, movie as well. Absolutely. And and giving, yeah. you know, homage to the source material and where it came from and what, you know, these these gentlemen and ladies created for us. Oh, yeah. What do you love about the capture? I, very similar to Come From Way, I look at that capture and I'm like, that is exactly the show we created. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I don't look at it and think, oh, well, we changed that and we changed that. I'm like, that's what we did on stage every night. And I love the amount of messages and, you know, talkbacks and things that I've done at different schools. This new wave of young male dancers that can see that and feel like there is a space for them in theater and arts and and they see themselves in those boys you know and girls in that movie mm. oh absolutely okay i want to jump ahead to come from away because we are really short on time and there's so much i want to talk about um so what led you to joining come from away uh so now kelly divine which we all know who she is now <laughs> um she had gotten asked to work on it and they had at that time only done like a very short lab in seattle where they just were reading through the script and they staged maybe about 15 minutes of the first plane. Um, and so now they had gotten the green light to go to La Jolla. And so now she was going to build her team and she reached out to me and she sent me the script. And I remember reading it and I remember calling her and being like, I don't get it. Like, are they, who are they? Are there scenes? Who are they talking to? Cause when you just see it on paper, you're like, unless you understand that, no, they're talking to the audience, the whole show that, you know, that is the narrative. So she sort of explained it to me and I was like, oh, okay, I get it. I get it. And then I was like, look, I'm not turning down work. Let's, let's do this. So we got out to La Jolla and oh my God, what I did not think would be this journey has turned into one of the proudest pieces of theater I've ever worked on in my life. And, you know, we did the show in La Jolla. We then did it in Seattle. We then did it in DC. We then did it at a concert in Gander. Then we went to Toronto and then that company made its way to Broadway. Then we opened another sit down company in Toronto and then the tour, then London and then Australia. So I just never thought it would have that life. Just, I just never thought. And what's been amazing through that whole journey, we have the most unbelievable producers called Junkyard Dog Productions who never ever let us sacrifice the work. We always had the time. Every city that we went to along that journey to Broadway, we had four weeks of rehearsal. We got to try new things, try something a different way, you know, all of that. And you see all of that detail that has woven itself, you know, into the cloth of that show. And I feel like you see it when you see the show, like it's, seamless and I can promise you it did not look like that when we opened in La Jolla but that's why you do shows out of town is so that you can build it and make it better and better but I feel very confidently that what is on stage at the Schoenfeld Theater and then all the other companies is absolutely the best version of that show we could have possibly done and something I love about this show uh 
that you have talked about previously and I've read uh, is that the casting for this show is not like cookie cutter. You don't have to be like, you don't have to look like Jen Colella to play Bev Bass. It's, it's a very, uh, the, the cast is individualized for each company. It's not, um, not like a traditional musical theater where it's like kind of a cookie cutter character breakdown. Yeah. And I think the, you know, we sort of laughed our brilliant casting director, Rachel Hoffman at Chelsea. I was like, I imagine this show to be like a casting director's worst nightmare because it's literally like a woman 40 to 50 alto (laughs) and then it can be anything which is so beautiful about this show because every new person that comes in it breathes new life into the show and and it makes it fresh and I think that's you know I get this all the time when people come see the show in New York and that you know we have so many of the original cast members there they're like I can't believe these people have been doing the show for you know five years now like it it feels like it's an opening night every night like it's fresh and I was like yeah that's because every new person that comes in we shake it all up every time so those members even though they've been doing it for that many years they have not been doing the same performance for that many years it changes and then somebody's out sick and one of our brilliant standbys goes on so then you have another version of the character that gets folded into the mix so it, it does feel very fresh and and I'm thrilled that our producers have that mentality with the show and have allowed us to do that. For anyone who has been under a rock for the past few years, so to speak, uh, could you give like a very quick summary of what the show is about? Oh gosh. Um, Come (laughs) Away, the musical, tells the true story (laughs) on September 11th when the airspace over uh, the U.S. was closed, all of these planes had to be rerouted. And so 38 planes landed in the small town of Gander, Newfoundland, which is the farthest northeast point of North America. Uh, the airport used to be used as a refueling airport as planes were journeying across the Atlantic. And then as planes didn't need to do that anymore, they have this massive international terminal that just shut down. And now they have their small commuter uh, terminal, which, you know, would take in seven or eight small little propeller planes a day. So um, this town of 9,000 inherited about 7,000 people who were stuck in this town for five days, a town that had at the time one hotel. So they were staying in the gymnasiums, they were staying in people's homes, they were shopping at uh, shoppers to get toiletries and this and that. And from these amazing five days, um, these unbelievable relationships and stories have unfolded uh, that our writers, David Hyde and Irene Sankoff, turned into this musical. So we tell, you know, it's like 16,000 people's stories uh, amongst 12 actors. In such a beautiful, moving, inspiring way. This I just, I'm obsessed with this production. One of my favorite, like... Uh... Trivia facts about Come From Away is that the trees on the set and at the Broadway theater are um, were real trees and that they sprouted leaves. Yep. And the one tree that sprouted the leaf, it's our furthest on the right side of the stage. And ironically, it's the moment where um, Hannah and Beulah at the end of the show have their last moment together uh, or for their little interview. Um, so we always say that yeah, that's Kevin with us in the theater right there, who was uh, Hannah's son that did not 
uh, survive uh, the attack on that day. Yeah. This, oh. Yeah. Stop it with these beautiful stories. <laughs> <laughs> it's too much. <laughs> so when did you find out that Come From Away was going to be filmed? We had, oh gosh, we had heard rumblings after they had filmed Diana because that was the same team as Come From Away. Chris Ashley, Kelly Devine, and Ian Eisendrath, our music supervisor, music director, we had heard rumblings, but, you know, as you can imagine, it was just about logistics. Like everyone at that point now had sort of spread out over the country. People had left New York. How do we get everybody in? You know, who, who are the people that we're using? The set hadn't been used. The lights hadn't been turned on and now in over a year. So it was, we, we sort of were feeling it was coming. It was coming. And then, you know, when we finally got the green light and the financial support, it was like all hands on deck here we go. They were in painting the set, touching it up. They had to replace like 28 moving lights because they hadn't been turned on in over a year. The costume, you know, it was like, oh my gosh, here we go. And, and, you know, and then building the yeah, stamina. Unzip the costumes from the, the costume bags and yeah, exactly. take out the mothballs. And-, <laughs> and then the cast hadn't done the show in a year. So, you know, building up their stamina and checking back in on the choreography and the script and the, the directing and the music, like it, it was, wow. It, it was just fast and furious, but it was amazing because we had to create sort of a little COVID bubble. So we all lived in a hotel together. We all rehearsed together. No one could leave ever. And it was this gorgeous reunion. Um, and it was sort of sad when it ended because everyone was like, I don't want to go home. Like, I, I, I miss everyone like getting to do this. But it was great that we had that much time together while the process was happening. You know, the hotel we were staying at had this gorgeous roof. So after rehearsal, we would all get our dinners and go sit on the roof and just tell stories. You know, it was beautiful to sort of have these like therapy sessions as well, because, you know, we're all coming out of whatever this experience has been for you, you know. Mm. And yeah. the collective like grief and experience of being in essentially lockdown for a year and not working for a year. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, but it was beautiful. And I, and, and I, I, like I had mentioned to you earlier, I've seen a, a cut of it and it just looks gorgeous. It's really beautiful. And we ha- got to have an audience with us on our day of filming, which was really, really special. Um, you know, obviously everyone was socially distanced. They had their masks on, but just to be able to see people in a theater again was a really uh, beautiful moment. And in fact, right before we started, our amazing producer, Sue Frost, came down to give a speech to the audience. Like, you know, you're one of the first people back in a Broadway theater. The crowd is cheering. The cast was in the wings. The cameras are rolling. We're getting ready to go. And, and Sue was like, you know, cast, can you hear me in the wings? And they yell, yes. And she was like, great audience can you hear me they're like yeah she was like great i just want to make sure everyone could hear me because i want to make the announcement that on september 21st come from away is going to be reopening on broadway and everyone went crazy people are crying the cat and then they're like places places the cat's like no i have to fix my makeup like i can't go on stage like this but it was, I need to process. I need to process exactly. this is big information. Was, <laughs> I need to call my mom. <laughs> they came out on stage to start that opening number, and it was electric in the room. It was it was beautiful. It was beautiful. Who was in the audience? Who who was a, like who were invited to be a part of that? 
family and friends. I mean, obviously, because of the social distance, it was a very limited number of people. So it stayed pretty internally within the cast and the producers and the creatives and the designers. Um, so it, it, it very much felt like family. Mm. Yeah. Oh, that makes, I, I'm the level of performance is just, I can't even begin to imagine. Yeah. What were the, you mentioned that you were all in a, in a bubble, um, for the filming. Were there any other safety protocols you had to follow while filming? Yeah. I mean, I'm sure it's what everyone would imagine, you know, testing and, you know, the whole nine sanitizing all the props and the chairs and, um, trying, you know, when you're not performing, having to have a mask on when we were in the audience and they were filming because the cast had their masks off. We had to then have like plastic shields on in front of us. You, you know, it was everything that you've probably seen on any movie set or, or any picture from anything. Um, but you just did it. And, you know, we had a ton of COVID uh, safety officers uh, following us everywhere between the theater and the hotel. So we felt very protected and, and, and they were so detailed and comprehensive about what we had to do that by the time we started the project, there wasn't really, you know, it was like, okay, we're going to do this. I mean, the hardest thing was not wanting just to run up and like uh, hug everyone as fast as you could and, and just sort of go into those old habits of just being like, I want to just hug you and take my mask off and see your smile. But you're like, nope, got to do this correctly. Yeah. Like Newsies, was it filmed with an audience and then close-ups and uh, like um, additional shots separately? Yeah. So we did both. So we have the audience and then we were able to sort of uh, dissect some individual sections and get some fun camera shots and angles and uh, just sort of dive in a little bit closer to the action. Are you able to share what the camera setup was? Oh my gosh. It changed every day. So we could get as many angles as possible, but my God, I think we had like a jib, which is like one of those big cameras on a crane sort of going all around. There were cameras on track sliding across. There were, you know, people holding cameras on their shoulder. It was like madness. It was absolute madness. I'm sure at some point once the movie comes out, they'll probably show some images of what it was like in the theater too, but they took all the seats out of the theater so that it was just, flat terrain oh, so like the whole the whole of the orchestra yeah yeah there were no Whoa. seats in the theater except for obviously when the audience was there um yeah because there was just that much equipment and then of course all of the equipment that you need from the designers so the sound people had their station and the lighting team had their station and kelly and i had our station and chris had you know all the things but it was like an army happening in there yeah Oh, that's so cool. And like having, I've, I've seen seats be taken out of the theater and that it's like, it's not an, it's not a quick thing. So like just the amount of man hours and like the number of hands that the, we as the audience don't see yeah. is like just mind boggling. And it was really beautiful doing the show because you obviously had all of the people that know that are involved in the Broadway show because this is our show, but then you have this whole other crew of people that come in that are the the camera crew and the director for the movie and you know all those teams of people and it's really interesting as the process started they were all very gracious but you know they didn't really know what the environment was or the energy or the show and like by day two 
they were in it a little more they treated it and by the end like they were like oh my god you know this is the best musical i've ever seen you know and it means a lot for these people that are coming in just to do their job and you know they're not necessarily there to be super invested in the creative uh contribution of the show they're like there to like hold the cables for the camera and make sure the food is delivered and all that but you know as we started doing the show they were like oh my god this is amazing and this is all a true story we're like yeah this is this all happened um so i feel like we got a whole new audience from our our friends that joined us during that process oh i, I have no doubt of that at all yeah um what should we look out for when we're watching the capture oh gosh um i don't even know uh <laughs> i don't even know uh I don't know. I might have to pass on the question. That's my first question. Th that's a totally okay. <laughs> all right. So to wrap up today, I have a series of quick questions that I ask all my guests. Okay. You don't need to think about it too much. There are no wrong answers. To start off with, what is your favorite musical? Parade. Ooh, interesting. At Revival anytime soon? <laughs> Fingers crossed. <laughs> uh, do you have a favorite filmed live musical? Um, the one that pops to mind is Fosse, uh, only because that was one of the first shows I did as a performer. And I remember having that VHS and, and watching that and learning that language and, 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 and seeing Anne Ranking and Ben Vereen in that was, it was pretty amazing. Oh, good choice. I like that. Filmed theater is not exactly live theater, and it's not exactly a movie either. So what should we call it? I like live capture because we're capturing this theatrical experience. It's live, and it's only for this one moment in time. So I like the expression live capture. I like that too. Uh, where do you stand on bootlegs? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I think it, it 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 robs people of coming to the theater and having the experience. And I think you know, usually the sound isn't great, the quality isn't great, it's shaky. It it doesn't capture what we have spent years and years creating to give to our audiences to live in that moment and have that. Mm, absolutely. Uh, what would you like to see? Oh, what do you wish had been filmed? Uh, Dreamgirls, the original Broadway company. I second that. Uh, what would you like to see filmed in the future? I saw in London and it's opening here and I just think it's absolutely spectacular. But the new uh, production of Caroline or Change that's coming is really uh, an unbelievable piece of theater. And I think uh, we would be so lucky to have that to look back on and, and remember that show and that story and especially these performances. Well, Roundabout have a good track history of filming, so I fingers crossed. Mm -hmm. uh, where can we find you online? You can find me on Instagram at Richard J. Hines, H-I-N-D-S. And I also uh, have a website, richardjhines.com, where you can follow all my funness there. Fabulous. And you can watch Newsies on Amazon and Disney Plus and Come From Away will be released worldwide on September 10th, also my birthday, <laughs> a most excellent date in history, uh, on Apple Plus. Richard, thank you so much for joining to me today. I I could keep, keep I could keep talking to you too.
cannot speak anymore. <laughs> Could keep talking to you for hours, <laughs> picking your brains about your amazing experiences. I appreciate that. Thank you very much. My pleasure. Thank you. Filmed Live Musicals makes musical theater more accessible, brings joy, and creates a sense of connection for audiences around the world. With thanks to patrons Josh Brandon, Elliot Charles, Rachel Esteban, Mercedes Esteban Lyons, James T. Lane, Al Monaco, David Negrin, Jesse Rabinowitz and Brenda Goodman, David and Catherine Rabinowitz, and Beck Twist for being a part of spreading the love of musical theater. If you would like to join, you can do so by becoming a Filmed Live Musicals patron. For as little as $3 a month, you'll receive early access to the Filmed Live Musicals podcast, early access to site content, and a weekly newsletter with info on upcoming streams. Visit patreon.com forward slash musicals on screen to learn more. You can also leave a review on Apple Podcasts and follow us on Twitter and Facebook. Thanks for listening.